Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. I was going to try and hit some vibrato, and then I realized I can't do that. Are those neighbors yelling at you still? Or looking at you funny? Probably not. My windows are closed right now, actually. It's actually pretty warm. My apartment was surprisingly warm right now. It usually stays like pretty cool, but it was like 77, which is very very hot for your apartment. Yeah, for my apartment. I'm not I'm not used to that. <laughs> it's heating up a little bit. Uh, it was like 81 when I stepped out today, and I think it's it's gonna just start getting hotter. It's summertime. It's June. Quick quick question for you, June. actually. Do mm-hmm. you view June as summer? Yes. Okay. Do you view September as summer? Yes. Really? Okay. So see, only because every every year, the way my elementary or the way my really elementary through high school um, schedule worked was we always started school the week after Labor Day. Right. Um, and for whatever reason, in Orange County, that was always the hottest fucking like year or week of the year. September. After and I just Labor remember I, I would just, yeah, like right in that little, those like first weeks of September are always the worst. I just remember going and showing up to school, just like sweating, sweating the whole day. Like soccer practice is getting canceled close. It's like a hundred fucking degrees. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, like, well, California, it's like September's are hotter than, than June's for sure. Like June right now, it's like 81. Yeah. It's definitely going to be temperate. hotter in September. It's nice right now. Yeah. It's definitely going to get hotter later into the summer it's like a later summer for us for sure and like fall doesn't really start till like november but Mm -hmm. anyway i just it's just kind of funny because i i realized that different people like june right now like it is summer but to me it doesn't really feel like it yet just because like the kids aren't out of school yet i haven't been to the beach yet you know like there hasn't been any summery things it's like that doesn't start till like august ish i got to the beach for the first time in a minute this weekend did a little beard eye tourney with a hot mickey oh yeah yeah you want to tell the people how that went oh man it was great i had to drive later so mickey was just uh hot mickey was just pounding seltzers on my behalf i had a few but mickey didn't have anywhere didn't have to drive anywhere later so just pounding seltzers having a good time playing beard eye on the beach really can't complain um uh if anyone's not familiar with beard eye just do a quick google search really really fun uh super good Probably my favorite drinking game, actually. Um, really good time, especially. It was a beautiful day. Started out cloudy, but it really cleared up by like noonish, so no complaints. I had a very good weekend. I had a very good weekend. Saw an old yeah. friend, did that with Mickey, hung out with you and uh, producer Sam. Yeah, we got a finished drink. Stranger cool. Things. Stranger oh, Things you, you, you caught up on that? Nice. Very good. That that's you know, I feel like a lot of people like to clown on popular things. But that's like one show that I feel like everyone is just very much in agreement that this is a good television show. So, well done, I guess Netflix. <laughs> yeah, they're main, basically their flagship property now. Mm-hmm. At this point, yeah, I heard every episode and was about thirty million on that show, and I heard I it believe shows. that each one's like a movie. It felt like yeah. so that was fun. Really good twist in that too. And then, ooh, I just finished a book, Lucas. Um, oh, you did it's called House of Earth and Blood. Mm, it's a oh, longer nice. one, like seven hundred pages. I was reading it for my book club. Shout outs to the book club. Um, really, really, really good book and. I'm usually not. A, I, I've been kind of taking a step back from fantasy books, like magic esque stuff. But this one is like modern fantasy, so it has all like these magic elements. But it's set in a modern world with like technology, oh, I love like that. modern technology. So it was very, it was fresh, and uh, 
very good writing. So I recommend anyone check that out. The Crescent City series, A House of Earth, or The House of Earth and Blood. Yeah, wow, that is that. badass sounding for sure. Maybe uh, Dennis mm-hmm. Dyack has read some of that. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm not sure if this one would be up his alley. It's definitely more <laughs> YA. If I'm, actually, it's not really YA. I'd say I'm like very much in the age group that would want to read it right now. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. But yeah. is is it mature? Is it like you know, like gore, like Game of Thrones level, like fantasy, or is it dark fantasy, or is it like more kind of fun Harry Potter fantasy level? Definitely more like Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. That sounds cool. Modern day fantasy. As far Game as Thrones. like, as far as like the like way things are described and the tone of the book at certain points. Okay, so it's clo- if it's closer to. Uh, song of ice and fire than it is to harry potter i think you uh yeah i, th- I think yeah. i think it sounds pretty cool um yeah. no, more mature awesome. for sure than yeah. like uh yeah i didn't do anything this weekend i just played um unfortunately uh played league of legends this weekend quite a bit and uh i know matt's already really upset with me about that um i had to hand in my league of legends chip i hadn't played for like a year and uh, recently started playing it with Zulu, a uh, friend of the pod. Um, I don't know. We were playing TFT one night, and I was like, dude, let's just just run a game of League. And, uh, you know, now I'm down the rabbit hole and playing it again. It's not good. It's not good. Uh, I feel- I've never had fun playing League. Yeah, I, I'm still I've figuring tolerated out. playing League, but I've never had fun playing League. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out if I'm having fun playing it, uh, but, man, I'm just playing it. I, I don't even know why at this point. It's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Um, all like right um we can move on fuck league i don't want to talk about it anymore <laughs> moving on uh before we get into the topic everyone today as a reminder you can always um shoot us an email thanks for playing pod at gmail.com if you want you can follow the podcast on twitter tiktok or instagram at tfp podcast that's at tfp podcast but an s at the end and in the link tree and on each of those social media handles you can find a link to our discord discord is definitely the best place to reach both lucas and myself come hang out it's a good time and as well, you can also find the link to the Discord on our website. Thanks for playing .live. Great. Thanks, Matt. Um, and uh, jumping into today's topic, I know everybody here has probably read the episode title. This is uh, probably a little confusing for some people. Uh, I don't know if they understand the P-A-L-N-T-S-C uh, letters that just flashed on their uh, podcast. I barely app. understand it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a really, really interesting one. So today we're going to be talking about, you know, what is PAL, what is NTSC, um, and how has it deeply affected all of our lives without us even really knowing, you know? So basically, uh, PAL and NTSC are television standards that are regional. Uh, so they are two extremely widely adopted uh, television standards, NTSC North America, and uh, PAL is uh, Europe and uh, pretty much the rest of the world. So NTSC Japan uh, and the United States, as well as parts of Central and South America, PAL widely adopted throughout the EU and Australia. Okay. So the origins. Do we know why that is? Yeah. So I'm actually going to get into that. It's, it really oh. goes way back, way, way back. So talk to me, daddy. Um, we're going to jump way back, like 150 years back to when commercial electric power systems were first being developed in the late 1800s. Okay. That's how far back the origins of PAL and NTSC end up playing. I promise everybody it's going to pay off. It's a little boring history lesson, but. <laughs> Basically, when uh, commercial electrical power systems were being developed, um, America and Europe ended up going different directions for how they wanted the current to flicker or refresh, right? So a lot of people don't know this, Matt. I don't know if you know this, but every single light is flickering. Did you know that? Like perpetually, just continuously per- flickering? Perpetually flickering. Every, every light in your apartment right now that I'm seeing on your webcam is like flickering. 
It's just flickering so fast that your eyes can't actually perceive the fact that it's flickering. LEDs. Now, when you say flickering, is it literally like turning on, off, on, on and off, off? Turning on and off, and you you notice you notice like you've seen lights flicker, like on slow mo videos on your iPhone. You see lights flicker because you're seeing how it's capturing the flickering because it's moving so fast. And then if you look at broken fluorescent lights or lights that are like kind of going out, they'll flicker because they're not refreshing as fast. I didn't know that. So every light, <laughs> every light has a frame rate is like another way to think does about it. Does the sun it. have a frame rate? No, it does not. Okay. <laughs> so, <checking>. so <laughs> when like commercial electrical systems were being developed, there was sort of a different style, a different schools of thought for different areas of the country and specifically our different areas of the world. Specifically in America, the Western Electric Company in the early 1900s actually standardized their lights to flicker at a refresh rate of 60 hertz. So 60 times per second uh, in America in the 19th, you know, throughout the 20th century, lights were flickering 60 times per second. Uh, just as a quick aside, um, you know, every movie, standardly, movies would run at 24 frames per second. A lot of movies run at 24 frames per second now. Sometimes it's a little bit higher if you're doing something fancy. But 24 frames per second is standard because t the human eye will perceive motion when something is moving at 24 frames per second. So it's very, we're basically doubling that amount and getting to 60, 60 frames per second that your light is uh, refreshed, 60 hertz, right? Well, in Germany, the AEG company actually developed a different standardized flicker rate of 50 hertz, okay? So the lights in Germany, and therefore, you know, what ended up being the rest of Europe and then Australia, were all flickering at a rate of 50 hertz, okay? So there was actually stories of like in early Germany, early commercial lighting systems, there was flickering because they felt like it was actually a little bit too low. I think it started at this. I couldn't find a secondary source for this, but they actually started around 40 to 45 hertz and then had to up it to 50 and go like, okay, this is where we're going to have to sit now. So was there a reason they went lower than 60 hertz or was that, is that just like a... The world's not really connected yet, so we're just arbitrarily picking different hertz. Exactly. I think, you okay. know, they just, they, electricity was obviously brand new. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the human eye cannot comprehend, like, the fact that they're flickering, whether it's 50 or 60 hertz either way. So why not just pick an arbitrary 50 or pick an arbitrary they, So 60? they could notice at, like, the 40, 45 level? Uh, they were able to, yeah. That's what I, that's, that's fascinating. one source that I had read. Um, I, I wasn't able to find a secondary one, but... Yeah, uh, basically. I want to. I want to make a, a forty-five hertz light now just to see what's cracking. Quick, quick, uh, quick aside. Uh, do you know what rate your LED lights are refreshing at? Not your traditional tungsten, but probably the LEDs that are up in your apartment now. I have no idea. It's about ninety to hundred hertz. So they're refreshing extremely fast. That's why. Damn. And just as an experiment to those of you listening on the pod, uh, t like look at an old tungsten light if you even have any anymore in your house. And just film as slow, super slow mo on your iPhone or your Android, and see if you can capture the flicker. You probably can. Whereas if you're using LED lights, uh, you you might not be able to capture that flicker just because it's refreshing or flickering at a faster rate. So that's sort of the setup. The whole world is running on not the whole world, but you know many regions of the world are running on two different refresh rates for their lights and for their electricity, right? NTSC and PAL have to come into play now as televisions begin developing in the world in the middle of the 20th century, right? NTSC, which is the National Television System Committee, and PAL, which stands for Phase Alternation by Line, are two different television standards that come around that actually play off of these different refresh rates for the lights in those regions. So PAL TVs 
run at 50 hertz. Okay, so every, the PAL TVs from the middle of the 20th century onward are running at a refresh rate of 50 hertz, 50 frames per second, right? So you have to develop completely different standards, different broadcast. Mm -hmm. You have to like completely basically design your entire like content system and entertainment and broadcast around the fact that these TVs have to run at 50 frames per second. While on North America and in Japan, the NTC, NTSC versions are actually running at 60 hertz, the equivalent of their lights, thereby making it a 60 frames per second television, or 30 as an even interval if you want to divide it, okay? Because the human mind can still, can still see motion at 30 frames per second. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the way the standards developed and how they ended up happening is they're playing off of the refresh rates of the lights and the electricity for those, for those regions, right? Now, this is just where things get super interesting is we start developing sort of an international style of the world begins to get more globalized, right? Uh, people start selling goods and services in other countries, shipping them out to other places. And localization and regional, like sort of NTSC versus PAL, ends up playing a role in so many different ways in the late 20th century, right? And in video games, it was no different. So video games that were developed in an NTSC region, such as Japan, were running and testing at 60 frames per second. And when they would ship to a European audience, like in England per se, or let's say, they were running at a slower frame rate because those TVs had to run at 50 frames per second, but the game was optimized to run at 60. Okay, so <laughs> we're in this weird zone where like people are developing games for what they understand to be the standard and around the world, it's not the standard necessarily. Right, so there's is on both sides. If a game was developed in a PAL region, it had to you know go to NTSC, and it was actually sped up. Uh, so you'd kind of get those ten missing frames per second, and end up being really really important. So bizarre. Yeah, and I, I want to mention too. I mean, my up until today, really, until Lucas mentioned he wanted to do it. My whole experience with NTC and PAL, like as those even being concepts. Has all come from Super Smash Brothers Melee. Yeah. Uh, me for those that know, obviously, you know, Lucas and I haven't been shy about talking about our um, experience playing Smash. And a big thing in Smash, particularly, you know, with Melee, is the NTC and PAL versions are pretty significantly different. Right. Um, which we can get into more, but I just wanted to mention that as well. It's yeah. It's kind of wild. Totally. I mean, ba goes. basically, with these, with these games... Um, it was entirely possible to optimize for the other region, right? You just actually, chips back then, like the, the actual game cartridges themselves would actually have like a spot on the chip inside the cartridge that would know what region that you were playing it in, right? Mm -hmm. So if you were playing in Japan, it would run at 60 frames per second. And if you were playing it on a European version of the console and therefore a PAL setup or a PAL TV, it would jump down to 50 frames per second and be even at that rate. So it's, but, you know, developers and just the way things were in the very early game industry, not everything was optimized the way it was meant to be optimized. So if you just got the NTSC version of Sonic, Sonic 1, you're missing 10 frames if you're playing it in England. So one of the very famous examples is, is Sonic 1. And basically what it, what it calculates out to is that Sonic, <coughs> excuse me, Sonic is running 17% slower in England, 
Okay. <laughs> it's, the, it's the craziest thing. Um, and incredibly ironic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super ironic. And I actually have like a really great example that I wanted to play here for, for Matt and the audience uh, for the podcast is um, I actually have Green Hill Zone, the very, very famous Sonic banger. Um, probably the most famous Sonic song of all time. It's an absolute classic. How it sounded on the NTSC version and actually how it ended up sounding on the PAL version, which had to run 17% slower. So Matt, you ready for this? Let's hear it. Here we got the NTSC version of Sonic, the one we all know and love. This is the one we all know and love. Yeah, absolutely. You know this one. Yeah. Absolute banger. Right? We're dancing right now. All right, you ready for the PAL version? Let's hear it. Kids this were is playing the same this. song. This is the same song, but it's running 17% slower. Ah. And you can Ooh. feel you can you can feel Sonic like not moving at all. I could feel him like This is um This is a uh, Ugly Sonic's theme song. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> we get enough? Sonic. Sorry, sorry yeah, audience. I know it's hard to listen to, but yeah. All right, there we go. So perfect example I could find for how it ends up, how, how these like standardized refresh rates for light bulbs and electricity a hundred years before these games were developed end up actually affecting a kid in a poor kid in England that's just trying to make Sonic go fast, but he's forced to play the game 17% slower. And so got- let me, so does that mean literally like he, and like the characters in the game literally move 17%. Everything yep. moves slower. Everything is 17% slower. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Because the game is running on a 50 frames per second setup when it's supposed to be running at 60, right? So you're missing 10 frames basically every single second in the game. The setup has to compensate and slow run it slower. So we did not have to experience this. Luckily, this is one of the more notable examples. Probably the most notable example I was able to find. You could actually find... Uh, several YouTube videos on like Sonic was slower in England was is like the title of one one video that I found that kind of went into depth about this kind of stuff and showed like a side by side playthrough, right? Um, and it, it just turns out that we were playing uh, different versions of games or sub optimized versions of games as we were growing up. And you know this is just one example with Sonic, but what ends up happening is game developers have to create technically a different version of the game that's yeah. that's distributed to a different region right so that's why that's where we get to the pal versus ntsc melee because you develop something for ntsc first if you're a japanese developer because you're an ntsc com- or N- ntsc country so when you're developing at 60 frames per second then you have to release it and and then regionalize optimize translate for the eu region and in that amount of time where you're actually putting in some finishing touches that could be a couple months apart you know, shipping yeah. to the shipping to NA and shipping to Europe, a couple months, that's a lot of time to make some changes. So if you had to get through a deadline for the NA release, you're going to maybe fix some of those bugs before you release it and ship it in Europe and therefore be able to make some changes, some updates. And that's why we have two different versions of Melee. 
I, I do want to mention too, I did take a, a second now just to look side by side at like the 60 hertz Sonic versus the 50 hertz. There's a great little video on YouTube by uh, Red Hot Sonic. Um, <laughs> and it is unreal. Yeah. Unreal seeing these side by side. You can literally see just Sonic's like legs moving slower, like the little rotation animation they have. And the game literally loaded up a bit slower. Even yeah, so. I know. Everything is slower. It's just so bizarre. I mean, I always played it. The only Sonic games I played growing up were just on the Game Boy, so or Game Boy Advance rather. So I didn't have to deal with any of this. But I mean, it, oh my god, he's just so slow. It's like he's running in. It's like he's in mud the whole time. Yeah, it's just like it's like in it's like in Melee when you put on, um, like you got the the metal body power up. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah totally, like. totally. So. Uh, like in the case with Super Smash Brothers Melee, you know, it was released in America and then a few months later it was released uh, in Europe. So you have the NTSC version and then the PAL version. And there were significant changes that were made between these two releases. And watching if there's a great video on YouTube, Matt, I, for, for, it's SSBM uh, Tutorials, I believe is mm-hmm. um, is the channel. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of videos out there you can find, a lot of articles that kind of outline the differences. But, you know... Any difference in like how anything operates in a fighting game is going to significantly affect the way like a meta develops, who who your main is, who you pick, how you play a character, and specifically with like high tier characters like Marth, Fox, and Falco, like mm-hmm. they have completely different combos that you have to do if you're playing on the PAL version versus the NTSC version. To the point where like in America there was a combo with Marth that is just very very notable called the ken combo it's like basically a certain setup that you can do when where you can spike your enemy down and just like they can't recover but in europe the spike is not powerful enough to it has different properties so people can recover from that spike so you have to do a completely different finisher for that combo in order to make it work which they then call the european ken combo or like the pal ken combo (laughs) and stuff so it's it's kind of a um it's just fascinating to me that it's not like today where everything, the games are standardized, competition is standardized, television mm-hmm. standards are, of course, are standardized. But like there's two different versions of a game that people are possibly playing, right? And Melee just happens to be one of those rare cases where it's an old game people are still playing. But there's NTSC versions and PAL versions of Street Fighter 2, you know, like some of the early fighting games, Guilty Gear even, um, King of Fighters and things like that. And like, there's always an agreed upon, like, which is the better version of the game that we should all be playing, right? Because those are fighting games. Those are competitive. We have to pick one or the other. And you see North American players play Melee when they go to Europe at big majors over in, like, Sweden or even Australia. And they actually have to change their playstyles a little bit because of the PAL release. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. It literally influences like competitive tournaments where money's at stake. Yeah, yeah. and even wow. uh, I found a really interesting article by uh, Gamer Rant, uh, GamerRant.com. There's an article called um, "PAL Games That Are Better Than Their NTSC Version," right? Because sometimes the PAL version would come out a couple couple months later, they'd be able to do some things. So, Resident Evil Four, one of my favorite games of all time, certainly one of the best survival horror games ever made. Uh, This game had a North American release of January 11, 2005, a Japan release of January 27th, 2005, which is kind of funny that came out in North America before Japan, Um, and then a PAL release date of March 18th. 
So two whole months before it actually ends up dropping in the PAL regions, uh, where all these changes get made, they actually like buffed a few guns, they added more unlockables, and they added an entire easy mode. It's, wow. They added a whole mode. So like it's the original patching is what it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I got another example here. Uh, Final Fantasy X got a uh, North American release on December seventeenth, two thousand and one, and a PAL release a little over a month later, January thirty first, um, two thousand and two. And the PAL release had an entire customization mechanic that allowed you to do more with your characters that no one in the NA like NA region ever played. Like. A whole new mechanic that was added in the game and you know that was finalized in the last month of development and shipped out to the pal region um crazy crazy i'll tell you what they got it right with melee with nerfing with nerfing mars <laughs> yeah well Sheik is nerfed though too i can accept that <laughs> marth is hardly oh they nerfed fox though so that's cool yeah they also nerfed falco I think a lot of the hype right. series, yeah. They also nerfed Ganondorf for some reason. I don't know why they did that. Really? Yeah, his like fair is like weaker, and then Falcon, he has like he can't combo as easily into his weak knee. It's a weird. It's Falcon's a little bit more nuanced, but like Fox's up B just doesn't go as far in the PAL version. It's just like so. It's just clear, you know. Is it closer to Falco's or is it not that bad? It's closer to Falco's. There's not as big of a difference between the two's like up B's, but really? it's still it's still bigger than Falco. Yeah. And yeah, there's yeah. there's a great um SSMB uh, tutorial video about it. So definitely, definitely check that out. Um and it's crazy to me to think that games were segmented by region. You know, it makes sense. You know, there's a time where video games weren't able to be patched, infinitely distributed, infinitely changed. You know, once you made a game and it was shipped, that was the game. Right. And I know like it's kind of cliche as gamers that are slightly older to I guess slightly older to like the overall gaming population, maybe to think like, wow, like you used to just make a game and release it. And if it had a game breaking bug, it had a game breaking bug. Right. And like if it yeah. had updates that, that didn't get in there, they weren't going to get in there. So you had to put them in the next release in another region and just hope that those two people never talk to each other. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and I know developers like. Your game is never really complete, right? It's like if you if you released Final Fantasy X on December 17, 2001, and you're the head developer, you're already thinking about ways you could have made it better. You're like, ah, oh, like if only we had patching back then, if only we had the ability to release it. Oh, wait, we do. We're going to release the PAL version in a month. Let's, let's kind of rush in these last little changes here or fix that bug that we found that we weren't able to catch in shipping. Uh, we take all that kind of pain like I guess the lack of all that pain really for granted because even if games nowadays do get regional releases, like something might come out in Japan before it comes out in North America or vice versa. That was a big thing for a while with Kingdom Hearts. The discrepancy really? wasn't as bad for Kingdom Hearts 3 that just came out. Um, I think there was maybe, it was within a week, like it came out That's in the good. US. That's good. Um, but originally it was like months before it would come out in the US or like yeah. six months as much, you know? So very, very different um, today. I wonder yeah. how, uh, I wonder if the PAL versus NTSC versions of Kingdom Hearts, the early Kingdom Hearts games are any different. Cause I know that around PlayStation 2 era, they started getting a little bit better with the regional differences. Mm -hmm. um, they weren't, they weren't too bad. And of course they were optimized for each region. There was no Sonic uh, debacle at that point, but <laughs> Uh, just if there's any notable changes, I'm sure when it's a single player game, it's going to be a little bit less noticeable than something like a melee. 
yeah. unless it's your Resident Evil 4, you add a whole nother mode in two months, uh, which is hilarious. Just announced Resident Evil 4 remake. Oh yeah, they did. I'm actually mm -hmm. actually stuck for that. Yeah, good looks. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, you know there are differences in uh, regional releases even nowadays. Where you know, like you said, Kingdom Hearts came out in Japan first, and then came out in North America. But there's not a whole entire like development cycle writing on the fact that it releases to one region before the other, right? There's no like, oh, it, we we shipped it to North America with this bug, but we caught it in the PAL version, and now um, you know the PAL version doesn't have that bug, but the NTSC version does. Uh, you can fix both. So. You know, we, we take that for granted that something will always end up getting fixed, but there was a time where it was the Wild West and uh, things didn't really get fixed. Uh, they just You just got two permanent versions of a game that were completely different from the other. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I can't. I mean, I guess I can't imagine I was living in that in my early gaming years. I just didn't realize it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the reason I actually picked this topic just uh, as a little, little background is... Uh, and this is also, there's a Eurogamer article that, that's talking about some of the first party games. So PlayStation Plus, we talked about this in our, one of our last episodes. Um, they're releasing quite a bit of games on the PlayStation Plus subscription. So God of War, uh, Horizon, um, Cyberpunk, <laughs> a, time, a time trial version of Cyberpunk, which everyone, everyone is dying to play for sure. Yeah. Oh, um, the time trial thing is... Two, first two hours of Cyberpunk, it's like... One hour of It gameplay. annoys me because that's basically what Steam's been doing for years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because Steam's return policy is you can play it for two hours, and as long as it's within the first two weeks, you can get a full refund. Yeah. well, Which is very good. And I've used it before. It's a very good policy. So. It is. It is. Um, so PlayStation is releasing like all those games on their PlayStation Plus network pretty soon, and people are upset because it appears for some of the classics that they're re-releasing on here uh, for the PS1 era of games are actually the PAL version some of these games so they're doing pal versions of um let me see everybody's golf wild arms jumping flash Kur kurushi uh, are based on their pal versions and then uh weren't both the worms games are pal while tekken 2 siphon filter abe's odyssey and mr driller are all ntsc so it's just weird that they're kind of picking one over the other but Basically, some of these games are going to have a lower refresh rate, even when you're playing it on your PS5, because you're playing mm -hmm. a 50 megahertz version of the game instead of a 60 megahertz version of the game, which is more what we're used to playing, more standard these days. Um, pretty much everything these days is running at 50 or 60 frames per second um, at the bare minimum, and uh, it is very unusual for something to be uh, releasing, although the RPS1 games to just outright purposefully choose that you're picking the PAL version is it's a little unusual. But uh, some of the some of the frame rate retro gaming nerds are a little a uh, little upset about the whole thing, and um, you know it, it it does affect things right. Like the speedrunning community cares about this kind of thing. You know they want the game to run as optimally as possible. And when yeah. you when you do re-release games, you know you got to take into account like what version of the game are you releasing? Are you releasing the um, this region or this region version of the game? And uh, it'll affect uh, it'll affect a lot of things. It's just bizarre. It's there's not like a reason for them to release the PAL version, and it's it, they're intentionally releasing a suboptimal product, basically. Yeah, it's yeah, very um, strange. And watch, well, probably gonna release another PlayStation Plus tier where you can get the NTSC versions instead. Yeah, 
Yeah, I saw Did they five extra. Bucks <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be so funny. I did see a thing where uh, you know they released that PlayStation Classic. You know they re- Nintendo released the NES Classic and the SNES Classic. PlayStation did one, and like there was a bunch of PAL versions of games on the uh, PlayStation Classic, and people were like really up in arms about that. They were like, "What the hell? Why are there PAL versions of these games on yeah. my HD like TV enabled you know PlayStation Classic little console?" You know, so uh, people people um, it, it takes a certain type of gamer I think to get upset about it um, and to notice it even at all. But uh, people care about these kinds of things. You know, there's always going to yes. kind of be those. Those people that obsess over frame rate, that obsess over um, hertz and refresh and things like that, and you you see this kind of thing all the time with like you know people that collect vinyl or people that are really into analog or like just really old sound systems, non digital stuff. Um, you hear a lot about like a you know nerding out about refresh rate or you know certain types of electricity and certain type of old standardization, and for the most part there is a consensus over whether a PAL or an NTS version of a game is better and what what we should adopt or we as a community should accept as the the true version of the game. And mm-hmm. uh, for some reason, Sony is just releasing PAL versions, which appear to be the less um, ideal version of the game, I guess. I couldn't, couldn't think of the word there. But yeah, uh, very unusual part, a uh, very unusual decision there on Sony's part. But hey, it's probably not going to really have any consequences. Yeah, I, I really do wonder if they'll like give any kind of statement on it though, or give any. Probably not. I mean, the tweet that exposed this um, has twenty two retweets. So that's it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Andy Robinson, I saw, is uh, kind of quoted in this article here uh, of VideoGameChronicle.com. Uh, you know, twelve hundred people following on Twitter writes for this website and uh, talks about. Uh, is quoted in the article as calling out the PAL versions versus the NTSC versions. And I just don't think the majority of people are going to care unless you're some sort of speedrunner that was looking forward to beating everybody's golf um, yeah. on, <laughs> on PlayStation 5 and speedrunning it and streaming it. Um, although I, I just I just don't see that as a very big market there. So it's probably just going to kind of go, um, you know, unnoticed. Maybe the most people noticing are the people listening to this episode right now, actually. Probably, yeah. Yeah wild stuff dang who knew who knew who knew yeah all this because the europeans and the americans just weren't talking to each other enough <laughs> yeah that's right from 100 kind of makes you wonder ago. it's basically the same thing that happened with the metric system versus the <laughs> we call the u.s system what do we call our system again? isn't it the imperial imperial system versus the metric system yeah, yeah. Uh, us silly americans just always want to be different although I'll argue. I think NTSC is on the right side of history. <laughs> yeah, it actually, it actually is. Is the funny part? <laughs> yeah, I think I think PAL is definitely the suboptimal experience yeah. in this case, well, given if, the seventeen percent issue. If you if you think about it though, is like Japan hat was on NTSC, right? So Japan is developing a ton of video games at the early stages of the industry with Nintendo. So it makes well, you sense. You gotta think about it too. I mean. We, t- I don't know. I don't know when TVs were first created, but I don't think we had TVs in the early 1900s. Like the really <laughs> no, 1900s. no, mid mid 20th so, century though. So the the 60 hertz versus the 50 hertz was probably just like, why would it ever fucking matter? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it either, gives a shit. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's like, hey, this light is I think flickering more than that light. I I'm in I'm in Europe and everything looks different because it's flickering a little bit slower. Yeah. Like no one's thinking You're not gonna, that. Yeah. 
Oh, maybe they were actually. Yeah. That could be an interesting history lesson there too. But for the most part, it's unnoticeable until you actually have to start making content for those TVs, and it it, it leads yes. to all sorts of shenanigans. And Sonic ends up sounding ridiculous um, with the, playing the PAL version on, uh, or playing the NTSC version on a PAL setup. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that is the PAL versus NTSC sort of differences in a nutshell here. Obviously, there's always a million things to cover with these topics, but I just want to give everybody a little overview on something I found very interesting uh, and something I was hoping Matt would find interesting as well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the more you know, right? Um, yeah, you know what? You know what I was thinking, Lucas, while we were recording this. In a way, and I think it's just because I'm I'm been listening to this other podcast a lot recently, but in a way, we're almost like a little stuff you should know type of thing sometimes for the. What are my biggest inspirations? I love stuff you should know. Such a great podcast, um, as well. Not as great as (laughs) Thanks for Playing. Oh yeah, it's a good it's a good podcast. Uh, I recommend checking that out um, to anyone that is interested in just very, well, anything really. Yeah. Um, Cool. Anything else you want to touch on today? No, that's uh, that's about it for uh, PAL versus NTSC. Hopefully, the title actually got people to click on the episode, and it didn't. It just sounds boring, I think, in title form. But hopefully, you guys stuck with it. Well, we'll get we'll find a way to get creative with the title. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right, everyone. As always, feel free to shoot us an email at thanksplayingpod at gmail.com. Find us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram at TFP Podcasts. That's at TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. Go to the link tree, find our Discord. Um, coming out, it's a good time. You can find your good buddy Matt on Twitter at Good Idea Matthew. Uh, and as well, I do want to mention if you haven't already, uh, leave a review on iTunes, follow on Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast. And hey, tell a friend about the podcast. Let them know what's cracking. Invite them to the Discord to come hang out. It's a good time. I love you. <laughs> great yeah if you want to follow me instagram at good idea lucas i'm also in the discord all the time let's talk about video games spread the news of different weird things happening all over the video game sphere um or talk about the new magic the gathering set and um i love you too <laughs> all right everyone this has been thanks for playing catch you next time skippity bop Thanks for playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch and Red Circle 